0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. I wonder what was going on 50 years ago today, June the 26th, 1966. Can you remember? There was a headline. One of the headlines said, In the Vietnam War, U.S. planes bomb Hanoi. Haiphong for the first time 50 years ago. Uh, the Soviets uh, sent up what they were calling their first weather satellite and there were some questions in the paper as to whether or not it was actually a weather satellite if you catch my drift. On a, on a fun note in New York City The fourth Mayor's Trophy game. Four years in a row this had been played. The New York Yankees were playing the New York Mets, and the Yankees won 5-2. to So the Yankees got the Mayor's Cup that day 50 years ago. Whoa, look, here's a headline, Richard Elwood ordained at St. Paul's in Waco, uh, his home parish. At 10.30 in the morning. Well, it really wasn't a headline. But it should have been. Fifty years ago, today, the service started at 10.30. Um, An ordination service takes a while. So, fifty years ago, this minute, this moment, at St. Paul's in Waco, there was a service going on. Fifty years whoa doesn't seem possible i keep telling people that i was 10 years old <laughs> and nobody believes me i don't know where this is going to go exactly and i don't know if you can actually call it a sermon as such but please indulge me as i do a little reflecting and maybe it will be fun for you let me ask you this uh, um, I kind of didn't word this right at the nine o'clock service. The way it came out is I asked people if they were over 50 and nobody raised their hands. Um, That's not really the thrust of my question. My question is this, how many of you were Episcopalians 50 years ago? Okay, pretty good number, about half and half. Uh, A few of you weren't even born yet. Um, that's okay. Uh, let me, um, well, uh, those of us who have lived these years, uh, you know, you as well as I could, could easily say that uh, certainly there have been a lot of changes in our country, a lot of changes in our society over these years. Uh, there have been a lot of changes in the Episcopal Church. Um, I won't go into whether or not I liked these changes or didn't like these changes. Uh, There was a different prayer book, uh, a different prayer book that I grew up with. We we now refer to it as the old prayer book, as in old clergy. Uh, My mother was a person who loved the old prayer book. She was one of those people back in those days, and there were many of them, who really felt that God spoke in the language of the old prayer book. And she never talked about the new prayer book book at all. Uh, Can you imagine this? Most of you know this, but some of you younger people might be a little shocked at this. Fifty years ago, no female clergy. No female clergy at all. That change wasn't to come about for about um, 14 years about 1979, 1980. Uh, This might be a little hard to visualize. Maybe you could think better of it if you were sort of thinking about the chapel. Uh, There were certain exceptions, uh, churches like this that were built with with an altar in the round. But the vast majority of Episcopal churches 50 years ago, uh, the altar was back against the east wall. Okay? If you can picture that, Think about the chapel, the altar up against the wall, and the priest celebrating the Eucharist, the Eucharistic prayer, the consecration prayer, would stand facing the altar back to the congregation. In those days, the thought was that the people sort of prayed through the priest. And so the prayers kind of went through the priest, and the priest was the one that was looking up to God saying the prayers. Women wore hats. A woman still does. (laughs) Women wore hats uh, or some form of head covering, mantilla or something. A woman in those days, you wouldn't have been caught dead coming into the church with no head cover on. And many women still wore gloves uh, in church. Have you ever heard of, of, of the phrase high Episcopal Church or low Episcopal Church? Uh, a high Episcopal Church, uh, and this was beginning to sort of fade out by then, but a high Episcopal Church was, you got to really think about this, a high Episcopal Church was kind of like a low Roman Catholic Church, and a low Episcopal Church was kind of like a high Methodist or Presbyterian Church. Seriously. What that meant was that if you went to a high Episcopal Church, the Mass, the Eucharist, uh, sounded almost like a a Roman Catholic Church, and you could have incense, and you could have sanctus bells, and the clergy in those Episcopal Churches wore all the fancy vestments. That's why I wore this. Um, We usually put the chasuble on. the, the, whichever one of us is the celebrant puts the chasuble on um, growing up in Waco well, the diocese of Texas was very very low it was a very low church diocese uh, there, if I recall there was one high church it was up in the heights and there was a priest from um, Louisiana Father Skarden Scar- de Bear. And uh, old Charlie Wyatt Brown and I, my boss and I, went up there once for a weekday service. And lo and behold, sure enough, they had incense, and they had Sanctus bells. Uh, The Reverend Charles Wyatt Brown used to be the rector of St. Mark's in Beaumont a little many years before. And in the early 50s, uh, he tried to introduce a Sanctus bell uh, into the worship service at St. Mark's in Beaumont. Uh, The Sanctus bell was heard one Sunday, and it disappeared. no one ever knew what happened to the song to spell anyway so um a high church a high episcopal church had communion every sunday and a low episcopal church always had communion at an early service but at the other services uh maybe well saint paul's waco had communion on the first sunday and then the rest of the sundays were all morning prayer um the reason I have these particular vestments on is that this is exactly uh, what I wore uh, 50 years ago, this, this surplus, not this one, but a surplus, and I would have had a red still on uh, for the Holy Spirit, but this is what I wore. Uh, I, I know you remember these things. There was no talking or visiting in an Episcopal church before the service. Uh, it was a time that people uh, prayed and a time that they prepared for worship. Uh, in those days, there were people who coming into an Episcopal church before service and it was like it was dead. I mean, there was no talking, nothing, and people referred to Episcopalians as God's frozen chosen. <laughs> Many other changes. I hope you get the idea. Uh, when a couple has been married for 50 years. Quite often, they, they repeat the vows that they made to each other 50 years ago. And ordination is kind of like a marriage service, uh, and if you will indulge me, I'm going to share with you some of the questions uh, out of the old prayer book. So that language might sound a little strange to you, uh, but I will be doing it out of the old prayer book. Um, how many of you have ever even been to an ordination service? Okay, well, more than more than I thought. It's a service that, you know, some people just have never gone to. So it's, it's a different service. Um, and many of you, you know, maybe have never heard the language of the old prayer book. Um, uh, it, it may sound strange to you, but it didn't then. So, the bishop would have been standing here with his crozier. And the Ordnance, the person being ordained, would have been kneeling here. And the bishop would have begun by saying this, and now that this present congregation of Christ may also understand your mind and will in these things, and that this your promise may the more move you to do your duties, Ye shall answer plainly to these things, which we, in the name of God and of His church, shall demand of you touching the same. Do you think in your heart that you are truly called according to the will of our Lord Jesus Christ and according to the canons of His church? The ordnance would respond, I think it. Are you persuaded? That the Holy Scriptures contain all doctrine required as necessary for eternal salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. I am so persuaded and have so determined by God's grace. Will you give your faithful diligence always so to minister the doctrine and sacraments and the discipline of Christ as the Lord hath commanded and as this church hath received the same, according to the commandments of God, so that you may teach the people committed to your care and charge with all diligence to keep and observe the same. I will so do by the help of the Lord. Will you be ready with all faithful diligence to banish and drive away from the church all erroneous and strange doctrines contrary to God's Word, and to use both public and private monitions and exhortations as well to the sick as to the whole within your care, as needed shall require, and occasion shall be given. I will, the Lord being my helper. Will you be diligent in prayers and in reading the Holy Scriptures and in such studies as help to the knowledge of the same, laying aside the study of the world and the flesh. I will endeavor so to do so, the Lord being my helper. Will you maintain and set forward as much as lieth in you quietness, peace, and love among all Christian people, and especially among them, that are or shall be committed to your charge. I will do so, the Lord being my helper. Will you reverently obey your bishop and other chief ministers who, according to the canons of the church, may have the charge and government over you, following with a glad mind and will their godly admonitions and submitting yourself to their godly judgments? I will do so the Lord being my helper. And then the bishop would give a final prayer. Uh, this would be at the end of the service following communion. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who of thine infinite love and goodness towards us has given to us thy only and most dearly beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Redeemer and the author of everlasting life, who after he made perfect our redemption by his death and was ascended into, into heaven, sent abroad into the world as apostles, prophets, and evangelists, by whose labor and ministry he gathered together a great flock in all parts of the world to set forth the eternal praise of thy holy name, for these so great benefits of thy eternal goodness, and for that that thou hast vouchsafed to call this thy servant here present to the same office and ministry appointed for the salvation of mankind, we render unto thee most hearty thanks. We praise and worship thee, and we humbly beseech thee by the same thy blessed Son to grant unto all which either here or elsewhere call upon thy holy name, that we may continue to show ourselves thankful unto thee, and to show ourselves for these benefits and all his other blessings, and that we may daily increase and go forward in the knowledge and faith of thee and of thy Son, Jesus Christ. So, That is well by this thy minister, and as by them over whom he shall be appointed thy minister, thy holy name may be forever glorified, and thy blessed kingdom enlarged, through the same thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the same Holy Spirit, world without end. Amen. Well. That service certainly got one's attention. Uh, But among these changes in the Episcopal Church that I've mentioned, there's another change that I haven't mentioned. And over these last 50 years, there's been sort of an increasing awareness and knowledge uh, that the lay people, you, are just as much, if not more, the ministers of the church than those of us who are ordained. Um, Maybe you are familiar with the Catechism in the back of the Book of Common Prayer, and maybe you aren't. It's called An Outline of the Faith, uh, the Catechism. And on page 855, there's a segment called The Ministry. And this is what I really want you to hear more than anything else. The question is, who are the ministers of the church? And the answer, really listen to this, the answer. The ministers of the church are laypersons, bishops, priests, and deacons, in that order. What is the ministry of the laity? The ministry of laypersons is to represent Christ and his church. "...to bear witness to Him wherever they may be, and according to the gifts given to each of them, to carry on Christ's work of reconciliation in the world, and to take their place in the life, worship, and governance of the church." So basically what that means is, is that there are people like me that have been set aside to do the worship, to lead the worship. But most of all, all of us, and mainly you are called to go out into the world and be Christ ministers in the world so that as we proceed in this service today and as we share in the common Holy Communion together and we have the prayers and the final blessing, uh, you are commissioned, uh, the lay people of the church, you are commissioned to go out and to be God's people in this world, uh, to be the kind of people God wants his followers to be. To be loving and kind and patient, understanding, to represent all that is best in our Christian faith as we deal with all sorts and conditions of people. So thank you for allowing me to kind of remember in a special personal sort of way, uh, my own ordination 50 years ago, but also to be able to remind you that you, in the listing of the ministers of the church, come first. Amen.